Hey, coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, I'm going to be talking with the world-renowned chocolatier Ginger Hahn about her journey from a six-year-old baker to a successful entrepreneur. Ginger has two locations of Ginger Elizabeth Chocolates in San Francisco and Sacramento, as well as a thriving online business. But despite Ginger's early recognition that she didn't choose this path, it chose her. She still experienced a number of professional and personal challenges, including starting a business in her early 20s. But more importantly, she talks about battling severe postpartum depression. And in this interview, I have to tell you, Ginger is extremely open and honest about what that struggle was like. And, uh, you know, this is my 186th episode of the Virtual Couch Podcast, and I really feel like this one's going to touch your heart. Um, this is a message that really needs to be heard. And... Ginger needs your help in raising funds for St. Baldrick's. Uh, that's a charity that's dedicated to conquering childhood cancer. And if you know anything about St. Baldrick's, and it's right in the name, Ginger will be shaving her head. And she has a beautiful head of hair on March 9th in Sacramento, California. So check the show notes to find links of how you can donate and help Ginger help St. Baldrick's conquer childhood cancers. So that and so much more coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch. Hey, so before I get to the happy theme music and the beginning of the Virtual Couch podcast, uh, I am going to talk a little bit about BetterHelp.com, but do not fast forward. I mean, if you fast forward, it's fine. No shame, no guilt. The therapist in me says, hey, you do you. But I wanted to record a new BetterHelp.com ad for this specific episode because in today's episode, you're going to hear an incredible interview with an amazing woman, Ginger Elizabeth Hahn of Ginger Elizabeth Chocolates. And Ginger's on to talk about she's going to shave her head for St. Baldrick's to fight childhood cancer, which is just an amazing cause. But she got really open and vulnerable and raw and all of these amazing um, things around her struggles with postpartum depression. And and so I just want to take a second to say if you if you hear today's episode and, and you're struggling with something like postpartum depression, please, please find help. And if you, if it is difficult for you to find a therapist in your area and, and maybe, and I thought about this a lot, uh, if you have this newborn and you feel like you can't get, leave the house as much as you might want to, or part of the grips of depression are feeling like you just don't want to do anything. That's where something like betterhelp.com can really come in. There is an incredibly broad range of expertise in BetterHelp.com's counselor network, which might not actually be available in a lot of areas. Um, it's for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime. You can send a message to your counselor. Uh, you can be up and running it often within 24 hours. And I'll tell you, if you're trying to get in to see a, a good therapist at times, there can be a pretty long wait. It's They're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and they make it easy, and it's free to change counselors. And they have a pretty um, robust kind of a, a very thorough intake process that you fill out some a, a lot of good information online and they match you with a counselor that that will be right for you. So if you, you will have an opportunity to maybe even say, I'm struggling with depression or anxiety or OCD or any of those kind of things, and you will be matched up with a counselor that specializes in those areas. And a lot of times, you're, I mean, you're doing video counseling. You can do uh, text counseling, email counseling. So they really do try to take the, um, the difficulty out of the scheduling an appointment or if you can't get out of the house. But but anyway, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to get no shame, no guilt, but you owe it to yourself, to those around 
around you, uh, to your spouse, or your kids, or, I mean, really, you owe it to you, at the very least, to give therapy a try. So if you're nervous about finding the right fit, if you're worried about bumping to somebody in the waiting room, if you have any worries about it, I really recommend that you immediately go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Um, again, it's betterhelp.com. Uh, there's a forward slash there, virtual couch, all one word, and take a look at the world of online therapy. If you do go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, you will get 10% off your first month's uh, counseling services. And they, they actually, they also have, uh, they have a way to, if you're financially um, struggling, they have a way to do a sliding scale. So again, give it a shot. Go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch today and see, just take a look at the world of online counseling. All right, let's get to the interview with Ginger Han. tuning into episode 187 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultramarathon runner, and co-author of the best-selling book, He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict Answer Your Questions, in which I play the role of the expert and creator of The Path Back, which is an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography or any type of compulsive sexual behavior. If you or anyone that you know is struggling to put pornography behind them once and for all. And trust me, it can be done in a strength-based, hold the shame, become the person you always knew you could be way, then please head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to get rid of pornography once and for all. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And please stop by Virtual Couch. It's just at Virtual Couch on Instagram. Uh, you can also find a Tony Overbay licensed marriage and family therapist page on Facebook as well as a Virtual Couch page. Go visit them. Like them both if you have a minute. And if you've enjoyed any of the Virtual Couch podcast material, please take a quick second and rate and review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That is the the currency of all things podcast. The the subscriptions, the the ratings, the reviews, that sort of thing. And last plug, go to TonyOverbay.com and just sign up there for the email newsletter. I'm uh, don't worry, never going to sell your information. As a matter of fact, uh, as one of my uh, wonderful helpers, um, intern Vindala uh, would attest to, I rarely even write the newsletter, which is something that I probably need to do a little bit better uh, job with some consistency on there. But because I got a lot of good things coming up that I really want to share. And the only way to find out about those is to sign up for the newsletter. All right, let me read another review that came in this week. And this one, th- these are the reviews that I love. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, again, I, I will say every time I talk about the virtual couch podcast, I never anticipated the growth and to be in the position that it is. And I'm so grateful. And the downloads and the numbers and those things are, are just truly mind-blowing. And I am so thankful for that. But I also know that a lot of professionals listen to this. A lot of other therapists and, and uh, psychiatrists and psychologists do. So when I get feedback from them, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just uh, really is just wonderful to hear. So this is one that uh, is titled, my brother from a different mother. And this is from Kelly Bean, who, uh, and she, she puts on the review. So I'll, Kelly stole licensed clinical social worker. So thank you so much, Kelly. Kelly says, Tony is the most grounded and attuned podcaster I've ever heard. I love your care for and knowledge of EFT and ACT. Those are my two modalities before even finding his podcast. So it feels like I'm at home when I spend some time with Tony and the virtual couch. Seriously, Kelly, thank you so much because, uh, you know, we have a, as a licensed clinical social worker, I know that you, uh, 
uh, you're in the helping profession and the virtual couch podcast truly is something that I just want to be able to help people. All right. Today's guest is a big get, in my opinion. I was first made aware of Ginger Han by a good friend of mine who told me about some classes that she was taking at Ginger's Chocolate Boutique to raise her emotional baseline, which is absolutely what I think is what we all need to do. Find the things that raise your emotional baseline, put you in a better spot to just deal with life. So I did a little bit of additional digging, and actually she brought me some uh, uh, chocolates and chocolate chip cookies from Ginger's Boutique at one point, and I was sold. But I did some additional digging into Ginger's story, and I was just absolutely impressed by her drive, um, her success from what seemed like a very early age. And so here's the truth is, so I get a, I get to work with a lot of, you know, work with, counsel with, therapize, um, coach a lot of amazing people who are extremely good in business and in politics and in sports and you name it. And while most appear to have maybe had an easy road to get where they are, I, I truly believe that for 99% of them. Life has been the grind that it is to a lot of us, but they've continued to battle and they persevere. And so what I really love doing is interviewing people who have achieved what, you know, I guess society would call success. And, uh, and just to see what the things that were difficult in their life and how they, how they dealt with those difficulties, how they overcame those things. So Ginger and I traded a few emails and then quite frankly, I dropped the ball. Um, I found myself a little bit overscheduled and I would continually think about having her on. And I knew that I was honestly, I'm going to blow this opportunity to have, again, what I feel is a very big get to be able to come on and talk to her about how she got to where she is and actually just ask a lot of questions about chocolate because I love chocolate. So then I um, was looking on Facebook a, a few days ago and maybe it was last week. And, uh, and I'm on, I, she has a, a very well followed Facebook page as well as a well followed Instagram account. And here was her post, her posts, and it was a great picture of Ginger. And she's holding a lot of her hair out in a ponytail. And she says, please sponsor me. I'm going to shave my head for St. Baldrick's to help fund research for children with cancer. And then she said, my story's below and, and please click on this link to donate to this wonderful cause. And so we're going to talk about that story today about why, um, this kind of feels a little bit like a, a a passionate project for her, um, St. Baldrick's. Uh, she goes on to say, I'm shaving my head with St. Baldrick's to raise money and help conquer kids' cancers. Every two minutes, a child is diagnosed with cancer worldwide, and one in five of those in the U.S. will not survive. And she says, I refuse to accept this reality. I mean, I love that. Um, she said, so I've decided to fundraise for life-saving research to find cures and better treatment for kids. So she says, now I need your support. Your donation can fund research to help kids survive and thrive join me today. And so um, I'll have the link to donate. That'll be in the show notes for this episode. And Ginger also shares information in the interview on how to donate. But here's what I, I didn't expect. Honestly, um, she was incredible. And, 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 and not that I didn't expect that she would be incredible, but let me explain. Uh, in an Instagram story that she and I did immediately after the interview, which I wish I would have filmed the filming of the Instagram story because I basically looked like an old man saying, you know, Ginger, can you help me with this phone of mine and this Instagram the kids are all on? And she was very gracious. And, and she did actually help me with that. But in this Instagram story, I jokingly said that she was all of the good therapist words, that she was authentic and vulnerable and raw. But let me tell you, she really, I mean, honestly, she really was. Um, she told me before the mics were live that she was happy to talk about anything, her struggles with postpartum depression, 
um, anxiety, how she dealt with roadblocks and failure. And she talked about it all. And those were things I did not anticipate going in. I wanted to hear about the roadblocks and the failures, but I'm so grateful that she opened up about postpartum depression. I mean, she got real, uh, postpartum depression as a therapist. I, I deal with this often with people and, and it is real. And I know from the demographic, demographics of the virtual couch podcast that there are literally thousands and thousands of women who listen to each episode. So please know that you're not alone and that feelings of postpartum depression won't always just leave on their own. As a matter of fact, um, it's probably not a bad idea to just go ahead and, and, and anticipate that they won't just leave on their own and seek help, seek help soon. Sooner than later, um, I, I would strongly encourage you to seek help. And, and Ginger truly does an amazing job of talking about how real it can be. And, and honest to goodness, she shares about what it looks like, what it looked like for her. And that is the part where I just could have listened to her talk about that all day um, and what she did to fight it. Plus, you're going to hear her thoughts on all things chocolate, including uh, if somebody who owns chocolate shops in San Francisco and Sacramento ever just goes all in on a sleeve of Girl Scout Thin Mints. So, uh, <laughs> well, really quick too, you, the, the, she came during the day. Um, during the day, I run a, a, a private practice and I'm in a building where there's white noise. And so I often interview people either before or after kind of quote business hours and I can turn the white noise machine off. So you're going to hear kind of a little bit of a background. You'll probably hear a little bit of a white noise. Uh, hopefully it's nice and soothing as it is to my clients. Um, but one last thing, I even hesitate to say this, Ginger. I absolutely loved having you here. You drove to my office, which you didn't have to. I was willing to come down to your place in Sacramento. Um, but just please tell me that you forgot your box of chocolates and chocolate chip cookies in your car that you were going to give me when you got here. And then we got so caught up in the interview that you then forgot to give them to me after you left um, or before you left. And if not, you now have my address. Just kidding. I mean, kind of. All right. Let me get to my interview with Ginger Han, founder, creator, and chocolatier of Ginger Elizabeth Chocolates. I did notice on another podcast that I did with it that didn't, you know, I got to suck in my gut a little bit right here. Yeah. Let's see how to. <laughs> you look great. Okay. Let me ask you, as somebody who works in the, the, the you know, with the pastry, well, first of all, how do you, how do you kind of, what do you call it? The pastry industry? The Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Perfect. All right. And, and as somebody who works in that industry, I mean, how, and you get this question all the time, how do you not gain a lot of weight? Well, I am, I feel I got some good genes. Okay, first of all, I, um, I don't sit down to meals of dessert. I do, okay. I taste and I do everything in moderation. Yeah. And I think that's probably, um, and I try to exercise. I'm always, I never really sit down. Okay. And is that always, were you always somebody that loves sweets? Yeah. Were, were you? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when, and so let's kind of go a little bit in your background, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, take me to. And, and I was reading on your bio, um, you're from a family of home bakers. Yeah. My mom and my grandmother were okay. really make? big. Well, my grandmother did a lot of, um, breads and, and jams. Um, and my, well, actually more like canned items, canned okay. fruits. And then my mom did a lot of jams and then just a lot of quick breads, muffins, things like that. So yeah. I kind of learned both. Um, two different skills from two different people. So no brownies or those kind of things. Oh yeah. That that was more my, well, both. Yeah. They, yeah. Brownies. I mean, um, cakes, 
all, yeah. all the things. So were you one who then you started making things early? Were you a baking protege? Yeah, I started baking very Did early. You? Like, yeah, okay. so making oatmeal, sitting by the oatmeal, stirring it when I was five. And yeah. I remember, great story, I remember when I was six, and this is how I know I've been cooking for a long time, but when I was six, I was um, whipping whipped cream with the hand, you know, the hand, uh, the electric hand oh, whisk. Yeah. And um, my sister, and my had, I always had very long hair, so my hair was down to my down my back, and yeah. I had it down. And my sister came behind me and kind of nudged me, and she said, "Is it ready yet?" And um, I kind of looked back at her. And my hair got caught in the beaters oh. and it ripped out a big chunk of my hair. Really? Yeah, it did. And, um, so my mom just switched my part to oh. cover it up. So no one <laughs> would know at school. Um, but that's, that's one of the kitchen stories I can tell that I'm like, oh yeah, I've been, I've been loving this since okay. I was very I little. That could have been a defining moment where you either gave up the beaters forever yeah. or you just flipped the part. I feel like there's a life lesson there. Yeah. Flip the part and keep going. Yeah. Okay. Flip the, flip the part. I like that. Flip okay. The part. Okay. You can have that one. Ca- that and carry on and carry on. Flip the part and carry on. I <laughs> know. Uh, I love it. Um, and then, and I have to, when I was reading your uh, background as well, at first I was like, oh my gosh, you were, you were baking for the CIA. But it wasn't the no, Central Intelligence Col- No, Culinary Institute of America okay. in Hyde Park, New York. And so, yeah. all right. And so before that, you, and I, I love your, your California girl, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, in the heart of Apple Hill. Tell me about, did you ever get tired of Apple Hill? Or were you just all things apples all the time as far as baking went? Oh, all, all things Apple all the time. We never got tired of Apple Hill. Okay. And Apple Hill is, um, you know, this little town up up in the foothills. So it's, I don't know, about an hour away from Tahoe, something like that. But we, yeah, we had, there's like 70 different apple farms wow. and, um, I got sick of the traffic during the okay. fall. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was kind of a touristy area, but I started working, uh, one of the apple farms cause we got our, per- we could get our permits, our work permits when we were 14. So I started wow. serving apple pie and coffee when I was 14. Did you really? I did. Okay. And that at Apple Hill was the first place I ever saw somebody lay a piece of cheese on apple pie. Mm-hmm. Is that, what That's is not, your thought? Not my thing. Okay. Thank but, you. but, but right. When you are eating a green apple and a piece of cheddar and you put them in your mouth together, it oh. is quite lovely. <laughs> so it is something that All right. it does work. Yeah. It's just not my favorite thing. Okay. No, I love it. What's your favorite apple related dish? Cause I do love apples. Absolutely. Like the perfect apple pie with a cider sauce over it oh. and a la mode. Okay. Okay. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then from there, and, and I, and I'm kind of curious, a lot of times when I ask people, especially teenagers, what do you want to do when you grow up? I mean, I feel like the majority don't quite know. Mm-hmm. It's that rarity that says I want to be a fireman or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you feel like you really knew that this is what you wanted to be your career? Uh, probably 13. Okay. How, yeah. Why 13? Um, I, this is, I, I, um, I just started doing projects at school that were related to opening restaurants. And then I, you know, you get into high school and start doing entrepreneur projects. Mm. And, um, my senior thesis was on, was on a cookbook and, what, would you um, what, the, what was the cookbook? It's called foods of the British Isles. I don't know. Wow. It was a cookbook. My mom got me and my mom and dad got me for Christmas. And yeah. I, I didn't have a, um, I just really thought it was interesting. So I did that, but, um, yeah, I, like my Beowulf project, I got to make a cast Kate castle. My, oh. my teachers were really into, me, a lot of my teachers were just great and they let me just huckleberry thin. I got oh. to make pies and okay. whatever so, you could, you could, whenever I, element to instead it. of doing like a, a skit, I yeah. mean, you'd always have to turn an essay in with mm-hmm. it, but instead of doing a skit or something extra curricular project, I got to do, I always did food. Okay. So did you ever hear negative 
kind of negative talk around what you were doing? I mean, would people say, oh, I really don't like that? Or did you ever have doubts young? Or when you were young, did you just feel like this is what I enjoy doing? Oh, I had, I have many more doubts now after having yeah. children and getting the crud beat out of me okay. um, mentally. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I eat a piece of humble pie every day. So when you're young, you're like, I can do anything I want. You know, there's yeah. just, there was no boundaries for me. I was yeah. just, I, I was so... I had so much confidence when I was younger. Okay. And then how does that then, how does that transfer into then? So, all right, in high school, you attended a week long summer program. That's at the Culinary Institute of America. So how did you, how did you get that? Was that like a summer camp or did you have to try out for that? No, it was a summer camp. You just had to pay for it, sign up for it. But my mom and dad really, you know, I would, I started studying pastry and cookbooks and gourmet magazine and all these bon appetit. And, uh, I just started really getting into this. So they decided to send me, um, when I was 16. Yeah. So I don't know if, uh, and I think this will be fun for listeners to hear that if they have kids that are passionate about cooking, that there are things like cooking camps. I mean, is that a, a pretty regular thing? Or is that hard to find? I don't know if they even have it anymore. Uh, I think it's okay. kind of hard to find, but I think it's, but, but education in the pastry field is much, is, is much more uh, readily available at fingers, at people's fingertips now. I mean, um, you can, there's a lot more classes. I mean, there's Sir Latab and, and William Sonoma who do classes. Oh, okay. I mean, they, they, there was nothing, yeah. you know, when I was, when I was young, I felt like there was nothing, but luckily the CIA had this wow. camp for high schoolers. Yeah. Was it pretty heavily attended or? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there was like 12, I mean, 12, they, they keep the classes small. So okay. it was like 12 of us. So then, and how did that lead to, that was what then took you to Hyde Park? Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. talk about that. Well, Hyde Park, I always knew it was, it's a much more expensive school. It's the, it was a, it is, I still think, the best in the world to mm-hmm. go to. Uh, that's just my personal point of view. Okay. But um, at the time, it was, um, you know, it was expensive. So I was like, well, I want to learn how to cook first. So then I went to a junior college, and I went through a really, really strict culinary program for two years. Cause I, and then just with the goal in mind that I was always going to go study pastry. But I wanted okay. to really get a good foundation. Uh-huh. And then I went um, to Hyde Park uh, when I was 19 and okay. started studying so is it, is pastry. Is it like medical school where you learn every kind of discipline and then you specialize? I mean, when you were saying I wanted a real foundation, was that in all things cooking or and then you specialize in pastry? Or do you go into pastries pretty uh, right from the start? Well, you can do either. Okay. I decided to get a good foundation, like hotel restaurant management. Oh. I did. I did receiving. I did. Oh wow! Um, the money. You know, you do. You do. You deal with the money side. You deal with mopping cafeterias. You deal with um, doing dishes for hundreds of people. Really? And you, yeah. And you. And and this is. I think this. Most people should probably go through that before they get into the industry to understand. Like this is. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. So work. do you find that you have more, do you think empathy for the people kind of behind the scenes because you've done a lot of those things? Yeah, absolutely. And, but I know that I, I did them and I know how to do them. And if, a, you know, someone quits or this or that and the other, I can hop right in and, yeah. and do those things, you yeah. know, that's okay. And then, all right. Uh, an externship and I don't want to butcher the name, right. Of the newly opened, is it Jacques Torres? Yeah. Jacques Torres. Chocolate. Okay. Yeah. A chocolate shop in New York. Sounds amazing. Yeah, what was it, that like? it was in Brooklyn. Um, he's a judge on Nailed It now on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just him 
um, his, the, his business partner and myself, and I think two other people who work there and it was just opened and I got a, yeah, I mean, he, he's an MOF, which means he specializes in chocolate and okay. in, he, it's a, it's a French re- award basically. Um, and yeah, I work for him and, um, I think I must've been 20 and I was running the chocolate line at a very big chocolate company. Um, yeah, tw- it was 20. Yeah. When I would, yeah. and I, and I would, uh, wow. I lived in Chinatown and oh. then I commute, I just would take the train to, to Brooklyn every, every morning. I mean, that, you, you, uh, that sounds so, I mean, mature. Was that difficult or did you, again, were you just living the dream at that point? I didn't even think about it. Okay. I just remember living up in Hyde Park and then coming down to Jacques and just knocking on the door about three times. And finally, Finally, um, I had, I had another chef make a phone call for me and then my resume got to the top and then I got hired. Okay. Were you ever, I mean, were you ever tired of chocolate at that point? I mean, was that just chocolate all the time? Oh no, I just, I couldn't, I needed, I needed more education. I needed to learn more. I just, and you just, there's so much to learn about chocolate. I still learn about chocolate. I I love chocolate. So, I mean, what are things that you learned there that you didn't know? Do you remember? Oh, I mean, all about, uh, tempering couverture chocolate, learned about couverture chocolate, which, um, is a, is a very high end chocolate that has, has to have at least between 28 to 32% cocoa butter content wow. in it that melts in your mouth really nicely. Oh. I learned all about pralines and ganaches and canning almonds and confections and, um, you know, dry French style jarring of jam and caramels and Just lots of everything. things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, were you tasting everything as well? Yeah. He let us taste okay. everything. What were the things that you didn't really care for? No. Okay. <laughs> this is the right answer. You know, I'm not a good, I'm not a big spice. I'm not a big spice and chocolate person. Okay. Yeah. So I probably, I stayed away from those, but everything else I love. Yeah. Um, this is a little cathartic and you're helping me. You're kind of doing therapy with me right now because yeah. I've always wanted to believe that I could never tire of chocolate and that all chocolate is good. And you as a professional and the success you've had, you, you agree with that statement? Um, is all chocolate good? There are some chocolates <laughs> that probably aren't, but I still eat Reese's, you know, buttercups from okay. time to time. Right. So, and Snickers always when I'm skiing really is Snickers. Okay. Yes. If I told you that I may have eaten half a sleeve of Girl Scout cookies this morning, um, and they're the thin mints, would you be disappointed in me? Um, a little bit? I totally opened my mom's freezer and there were thin mints and I did the same thing okay. two days ago. Okay. So, but I only had half a sleeve. Oh, that's all. Did I say a whole sleeve? Oh no, I don't know. I'll finish the yeah. rest of the sleeve. Oh, later. half a box. Maybe I thought <laughs> you said, okay, no, I did. I did half a sleeve. And then I also did, um, some of the, yeah, some other ones, but my niece isn't Girl Scout. So, okay. so my, my, my mother niece. had some. Yeah. Um, I still have a note on my, I think it's on my phone of when we're buying candy for the kids for holidays. My wife still refers to whatever I enjoy as, uh, like a uh, low class chocolate. Mm. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is maybe some of the things that we mentioned <laughs> before. Okay. Ritz Carlton. Um, I mean, again, now we're kind of moving up into these, just, uh, everyone knows of the Ritz Carlton, mm-hmm. right? How did you land that position? Um, having CIA on my resume, having Jacques Therese on my resume, okay. um, and Enming Shu. I worked under Enming Shu, and she was the, uh, she had, she was the world champion chocolatier at the time. Wow. And I, yeah, I worked under her, and I learned, I got to learn a lot more about chocolate, and, um, and 
and I got to do a lot of plated desserts and I got to bring ideas in. And then I, she kind of showed me the process of bringing an idea in and then changing it several times to make it perfect. And that's kind of what I do now at my shop. Okay. It was a, it was a really good uh, learning experience for me. So when you say you, you do a lot of experimentation with things that you make, or do you kind of have your just go to nothing go-to I'm constantly and even if it is a go-to how do we make that silkier how do we make that you know better or tastier or uh, alert your senses better or whatever it is so I'm always on the um I'm always creating recipes and messing with formulas and and then sometimes takes like 20 times to get something right when you do create a formula you know okay and you have how many kids three do they enjoy tasting things that maybe didn't quite work or is, is this a kid's dream to have their mom sort of. own multiple chocolate shops? Yes. Okay. Um, do they ever complain? Um, that they don't get enough stuff. Well, Sugar. I, yes. Okay. That. that. I, I was also thinking yeah. of when you're, you're handing them these things that people wait in line, the lines in your Sacramento store are, I mean, they're legendary, right? Yes. And so, and if you, if you bring some of that to your kids and like, eh, it's, it's okay. I mean, do you, do you sometimes want to say, do you, do you know who I am? Yeah. No, they, I mean, my oldest son is almost 11. So he, yeah. he kind of knows and he, they don't like fruit stuff. Okay. So anything with jam or fruit in it, but anything with chocolate or caramel or marshmallow or yeah. brownie, they're all about it. They're all about it. Yeah. Um, any other kind of stories around the Ritz Carlton or Chicago or how long were you there? I was there for only a year. I was very, well, I was a little bit depressed, I have to say. Yeah. Working a swing shift, drinking a lot after work. And let's start talking about that, right? So the, um, you know, the the kind of the mental health aspect, because I love how you said earlier in high school and maybe even into Hyde Park, that it just seemed like this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So what, yeah, what started to shift or when did almost like real world or adulting kind of things come in? Is that what it was? Um, I think just... I think it's the restaurant industry where you, I was really working the restaurant hours, okay. which is different than baker's hours. So when you get off of work at 11, you go out and drink with all the restaurant people oh, okay. or midnight or whatever. And I just think it takes a toll on your body and you go party or, you know, whatever. I was 21 wow. so or 22. Yeah, I was 22 when I moved to Chicago. So yeah, it was just, you know, party all the time, but it, it just, but Chicago just got depressing to me. I was away from my family. The weather's horrible. Trying to hail a taxi when it's snowing was awful. Uh, I mean, all of the above. I just, and I had to work every single holiday, every single, you know, okay. I mean, they work you into the ground. There's no windows in the hotel kitchen. Um, yeah, I mean, but I still loved pastry, you know, it just, I didn't love, um, you know, my sister had some health issues and I, I asked, I gave them four different dates for me to possibly fly out. And because we're part of a union, they said, I can't, I can't guarantee that because other people who are ahead of, you know, who've been here for a lot longer, um, might get have, get to take that time off. And I just was sick of being a number in, um, and I just got treated. It didn't matter if I worked for men, women, I just felt like I just felt totally mistreated. So it was one little part, it's just one little step in my story that made me want to open my own business that kind of pushed me. So had you been thinking, was it always a dream to open your own? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But did you anticipate it would be 
a lot further down the road? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Probably 35, but I ended up being 24. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then from Chicago, is that where you came back here? You moved back to California? Yeah. I was supposed to transfer down to, um, San Diego, Ritz Carlton or, uh, Carlsbad, uh-huh. but then yeah, they, it fell through and I was, I was at my parents' house and when you found out, yeah. Okay. So, and was it this, I mean, defining moment of, all right, I'm starting my own shop or well, was there a, I got to find a job. I had to find a job. Okay. So I got a job at a, at a brand new $4 million restaurant that had just opened up in El Dorado Hills called oh. Mask Restaurante. Uh-huh. And I got a job there. And, um, about a year after I had that job, I, uh, cause I started when I was 23, right when I was 24, I started my first company okay. and I worked too. Okay. So I worked the job and then I did. And then I, um, also, um, did the company. So were there, and I think we were talking a little off mic of were there, when we start introducing the, the brain wanting to say, I don't know what I'm doing stories or the, did you start to run into roadblocks at that point or with, with opening your own company? Um, no, I was still pretty all, all out. Okay. Um, I still didn't have a lot of life to have pushed me down yet. knocked me down. I, I had some road, well, I think one thing, um, I was, um, retailing or wholesaling my bonbons and I didn't formulate one of them correctly. And so mold started growing. This is the uh, only time this ever happened, but yeah. I didn't formulate it properly. And I remember one of my friends went to go support me and bought some at a grocery store. And she's like, Oh my gosh. So, and they were in a grocery store, but too. they were yeah. expired. Oh. And, yeah. um, so that wasn't totally my fault, but, yeah. um, you know, my mom, I got on the phone with my mom. I was crying and I thought my, my career was over, wow. you know, because that's just, that was just like, uh, for a, I guess, type A kind of yeah. person. You're just like, Oh, everyone probably knows I just sold a moldy chocolate or, but no, I, um, yeah, no, uh, that was, and then I got on the phone with my mom and she was in construction and then, and my mom and dad were, uh, my dad had a construction company and my mom obviously helped, mm-hmm. did it with him, lived it with him. How about that? And she told me a lot, some stories and she's like, everything's going to be fine. And so. Okay. So then <laughs> did you find a location right out of the gate? Did you? Um, no, for two years, I, uh, I worked out of Patrick. I worked out of, uh, Patrick Mulvaney had a catering company. It's now a Mulvaney's uh, B&L mm, restaurant. Yeah. And I, um, and so I rented from here, him for a year in the, uh, before he was a restaurant. And then I rented from a coffee shop called old soul, wow. uh, for a year. And then we got our own retail spot. Okay. And, so, and was it, I mean, was the demand such that that was a pretty easy transition or were you still, was that scary to go out and get your own spot? It was very scary. I didn't know what an HVAC was. I had never heard that term. I didn't know what TIs were, which are tenant improvements yeah. if the listeners don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, TIs and, and, you know, and I felt like I, we got a bank loan and I felt like I was signing my life away and it was very hard to get a bank loan for a food company. Yeah. How did, how did, what was that process like? You're young um, food company. I had a, like, it was like old school. Like right. I had to go into the bank with the chocolates, oh, really? tell them my story, oh, wow. show them all the press I had gotten, uh-huh. um, for it and tell them I had a wholesale company for two years, do the numbers. The numbers. Okay. Um, and we're not, I mean, I, I showed a decent profit, but we're not talking very much. So they, it was bank of Sacramento at the time. They're not around anymore, but uh-huh. they really believed in me. And they were a small bank at the time. And, um, wow. you know, it was 2000, August, 2007, I signed my name on that line. And then in January, 2008, we opened, which was the same month that the recession started. 
Yeah. And did you feel that? I didn't or because you, is I didn't know. Like a happy place, though. Mm, I didn't really know. No, it is. Okay. It's recession proof. It's supposed to be, but you can definitely feel it. Yeah. We kind of. I I did feel it in the corporate orders, but we didn't know any better, and so and we didn't have any staff, so we didn't have to lay anyone okay. off. I mean, there was nothing. Who was helping you originally? Um, my mom and then my husband would work on the weekends because he had he kept his day job, and then and then I had uh, one assist. I had one assistant. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was that first year then, I mean, was it just slow growth because of that recession or did you start to really take off? Um, it was slow growth. I'd have to say for one, two, like three years until my second kid was born. Okay. I remember it really taking off. Okay. So it was probably three years into it. So, and I love that too. I mean, it, I think a lot of people do assume that, well, you must've just opened up and overnight you're a success, but I mean, now we've got years and we've got uh, maybe not the greatest experiences in Chicago or those sort of things that led you to this overnight success years later. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so having kids during this time, I Mm -hmm. mean, I imagine you're working a lot. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Well, um, I look back at it and it was really hard. Um, my first kid I had, um, I, um, I remember having, you know, Easter was happening when I was in the hospital with him. And, um, I remember just going back to work, uh, right away. I just thought it would be okay if I just brought him in his little carrier and I'd go into work and it was fine. And then I'd take a second and I go in the oven room, the room, there's like an oven and like a chair Mm -hmm. and I go and I, I'd breastfeed him, um, and, and everything was okay, but ends up, it wasn't, uh, six weeks into it, he was, um, underweight because okay. I wasn't, you know, I, I must've been just, I was spinning. I mean, you know, yeah. I, we, I didn't have enough employees for me to be gone, but at the same time, you know, um, I needed to get, you know, mother's day out or yeah. this out and that out. And so, um, but then I just, I ended up, um, stopping work for about two weeks and I, we lived above the shop. Okay. And I just breastfed him probably every other hour wow. for two weeks, but it was, yeah, it was exhausting. And I, I had postpartum depression with two of my kids. And did so you, it was really you know hard during that first time that that's what it was or, well, we have mental health okay. in problems in our family. So huh. yeah, I, I kind of knew, I mean, I, um, you know, you have the, these really weird thoughts or feelings. And then if, you know, um, if they didn't go away after a certain time, yeah. you just start to get worried, but they, they kind of always went away from me and then they came back. But I was just, I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a wreck, I'd say, um, yeah. with my first one. Okay. Yeah. Were, were you, um, I mean, and, and was it ironic because the success of the company, I mean, is that one of those where people from the outside say, Hey, this is great. You've got a baby, your company's doing well. Yeah. Look at you go. Exactly. Right. Were you hearing some of that? Um, yeah, I think I hear, I heard that a lot, but I just, um, I don't know. I think I was still manic or something and it's just like, you just keep going and fighting and pushing. And it's just like, um, you're, you know, obsessed with pastry and, Mm. um, you have this, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I was, um, I was better off with him than I was with my third kid. Okay. Se- second kid. But how did you get like first or did you, yeah. did you seek help therapy wise or did you just, were you talking about with your husband or was it just, you kind of ground your way through? 
I kind of ground my way through on that one. I was really, I was really, a, even though people in my family had been medicated, I had been medicated prior uh, yeah. after 9-11 when I moved to New York. Mm. Um, but I was like, no, I can get through this. I can get through this. This is just hormones. It's just right. hormones. And I ended up getting through it. I did, I did get through it. Mm. I did exercise a lot, which is still helpful to, for me. Yeah. T- still today. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember yeah. a whole lot of it. And then how far are your kids apart? Two, then, um, so two, two years. So, um, Connor and Charles are two years okay. apart. And then yeah. the, um, um, Charles and Cosette are three years apart. Okay. So I love the name Cosette, by the way. Thank right? you. We call her Coco. Do you? Yes. Oh, okay. That's perfect. Yes. So, so is your second one, Charles? Yes. Okay. So then you, you, did you kind of anticipate the, what could possibly happen with postpartum? Yeah. When Charles came on? Yeah. So okay. I did, I did, um, I ended up being, I was much better with him. I had a better, uh, delivery, okay. less, um, much less tired. My epidural actually worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't as tired, but, um, I remember we had owned a house at that point. We got a house. So we didn't live above the shop. So I got to be kind of really away from work. Was that a bigger deal than you anticipated? Much, be? much yeah. better, yeah. much better. So I would, um, I remember taking, some time off, at least, at least four weeks. Okay. I know I took at least four weeks off and, um, but you know, department of agriculture showed up one day the baby was just a few days old and they they were say, Hey, we're going to shut you down. Cause we didn't have the right permit for really? ice, for ice cream. Oh. And we didn't even know about it. So we're just like, okay. Um, so that, um, that, that was, you know, something we just dealt with, but there's always something, you know, I just couldn't enjoy. Yeah. I felt like enjoyed, you know, this, this time, but I, 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 I did, yeah. I got there, but I remember I still had to go back and ice cupcakes for mother's day. Mm. And I remember I couldn't be away from the baby at all. So my husband parked the van right in front of the shop and I walked in the shop. I frosted 2000 cupcakes wow. and I remember what, knowing that the baby was just right there. Wow. And then, and then I could barely stand cause he was born May in May, early May. Wow. So, and then you had mother's day, so I could barely walk. Yeah. And, um, so I frosted 2000 cupcakes and I remember waddling my way back to the van and there you go. I mean, right there, that's, you know, that's, that, that's like a recipe for disaster, yeah, yeah. but I did it and I, I didn't, I, I felt okay with that, with that one. But there were many stories like that. Were there, did you feel like you didn't really have another option? I mean, was it I, the, almost like this, the show must go on, especially those holiday orders or, yeah. I mean, when you look back on that and I guess that, this is that part where I was like to say, if you were giving advice and I know there isn't going to be someone else that is maybe facing 2000 cupcakes or. You know, do you, do you have advice as to what you would have told yourself then with what you know now? No, because I still do the same thing. <laughs> do you? Okay. You know, like, yeah. uh, I wasn't in a position. We didn't have the staff. Yeah. You know, because we always worried about money and, and, and how, you know, we, we wanted to be careful with the books. And yeah. so I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just... I should maybe trusting your employees a little bit better, giving them a little more autonomy, which we, we do way more now because yeah. we, but that's, that, that's hard though. I mean, I, I mean, as a I'm kind of own my own business as well. And, and, uh, or when I work with entrepreneurs, I feel like that is the thing that 
is in an entrepreneur's DNA is that I can do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wasn't great at delegating. Okay. Yeah. And then, and you know, I'm still not, I mean, I'm better, but I think I, there's, I don't want to call it a crazy, but there is a type of mania in, or there was, or still is in that, in me, in something, because yeah. it's like, did I really need to do that? I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. a good question. Okay. <laughs> and then, and so then when you had Coco, how was, how was that? Um, Coco was brutal. I, mm. I had, I want to say I had depression postpartum for a good three years. I couldn't oh. break it. Um, you know, I don't know if there's any women out here listening uh, or listening, uh, who may have had this, but like, even when I would put her in the bathtub, yeah. you know, like I was worried that I was just going to yeah. let her go. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds horrible. And no, it, I appreciate you sharing this is that this is the stuff I hear in therapy and 70% of my uh, listeners are women. And I mm-hmm. feel like this is, I'm, I'm grateful that you're talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what was that like at the time? Um, it's horrible. I mean, all I could do was like put her skin to skin on me. And, um, I don't know. I was trying to get help and people weren't listening to me. Um, I'm like, Hey, you know, and they're just like, Oh, what's that? What's that common drug that they give people? I'm like, yeah, well, none, you know, my family history is that we don't react well to it. And I told the the person, you know, you know, that yeah. this, they're like, no, you're just taking the wrong dosage. Oh. So I get on Prozac and I'm like, I thought it was making it worse. Oh, oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like thought the world was ending. Oh. It was, it was horrible. But I mean, this was all when she was a baby, but backstory is had Coco. Yeah. And then Coco had, um, had a, she had an intestinal blockage. Okay. So six days into it, we have to go to the hospital and she had to have an intestinal bypass when she was six days old. And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, you, you just give birth and then, um, and then we were there for 14 days. Right. When I get out of the hospital, two of my supervisors quit my managers on maternity leave and, um, is having a longer maternity leave because she had complications. Okay. And obviously my husband's trying to hold down anything that he can. We've got two kids and you know, everything. So I go back, go back to work a week after we get out of the hospital. My baby still has her, not her stitches, but her glued, you know, stomach where they cut her. And I, we got a brand new ice cream machine. So I had to train on the ice cream machine. And of course, mother's day and Easter was happening again because we, I had all my kids in the springtime. And then, um, we had cupcake day. So I'm like, I'm literally bringing this baby in at, you know, two 30 in the morning to my warehouse. I have her in her little crate and, and I'm like, wow, just things never change, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm doing, I'm baking off cupcakes or, you know, something. And I just, I, I didn't, I, I had to hire a manager and I had to hire staff. And, and so I was, you know, um, trying to do that. And I was having interviews while she was on my boob. Wow. 
And, you know, and then, and then I remember giving orientations while she was nursing. Mm. I mean, good thing is I'm the owner. So she never, uh, I had her on my front pack. Bad news is is that that's semi-dangerous and, um, not that I would have put her in danger, but I mean, I would have never, ever let someone else do that. Right. Like of an employee. And so she, she was on my front pack while I was tempering chocolate and, doing everything until she got too big. Then we had a nanny, which I also had huge mental problems, like having a nanny, you know, but so, but anyways, I, um, I finally got to therapy. I had a great therapist, but it just, it, and I I thought of my hormones were out of whack. So I went to a holistic doctor and it just went on and on and on. And I just, I was trying to get help and I just wasn't getting the right help until I guess it came to me like two and a half years later, three years later. Okay. So what, and I love that. I mean, you were obviously, you were trying to do anything you can. And I love how you said that you, um, you were, you were asking for help, but people weren't hearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so do you kind of look at that different now when you do hear people that are, are maybe expressing themselves in certain ways? I mean, do you feel like you're kind of listening a little more for what somebody's trying to say? Um, you know what? I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, I'm better with the reverse. So I'm, I'm much better. Like if you're not, if you're not listening to me, you're not hearing me. I, I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this right now. It doesn't matter if you're a contractor building some, you know, like fixing something for me, or I I ask a million questions now. And if you're, if you don't want to do what, you know, and I guess people call that being a a bitch, but Mm. I'm like, I wish that wasn't the term. It's like, no, I've been, I've had enough. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't have time for this. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I ask a whole lot of questions and I think it's opened my eyes to have empathy and, and, sure. and to listen to other people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love how you, you, I mean, kind of turned that, that you're exactly right. I feel like, uh, as a therapist, you're trying to help people, um, have boundaries, but also respect their own boundaries and, and when they, they do need to be heard. And I feel like, um, it's funny. I feel like the core of a lot of therapy in general is people wanting to be heard. People mm-hmm. want to be validated. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then when we aren't, we're going to kind of get that. We're going to be heard some way or another, you know, right. whether it's anger, whether it's withdrawal or mm-hmm. right. And so, I mean, I will take the person that wants to express themselves over the person that wants everybody to guess Yeah. anytime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, the whole boundary thing, yeah. I want to say not good. I'm not good with certain people and boundaries. Um, I'm good with, Hey, this is what I want, mm. but like boundaries, a different kind of thing. I'm like, um, I'm just learning how to have boundaries okay. in my life <laughs> and saying no. And yeah, the, you know, that's the big one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That, that's why I'm so, I was so grateful that you were willing to come in. Cause I just felt like you, I know you're busy and I know you have a lot going on. And, and I, I struggle with that as well of that saying, no, is that getting easier for you now? Yeah, it is. I've had found nice ways to say no, but I, yeah. but things like this, I love doing cause it, it helps me. It's cathartic Yeah. in the way that I get a, t- it just motivates me when I get to talk about my past a little bit yeah. and be like, okay, I have gone through a lot. Like, okay, let's, we got to do this. We got to roll up our sleeves and keep going. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes in just in life and business, I just get unmotivated and it scares me because for all those years I was so motivated yeah. and now I just, I guess I feel a little bit more tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like 38 and I'm like, I kind of feel tired. I kind of feel like I got hit by a bus, you know? And then, you know, and I remember being pregnant, working 17 hours a day. Wow. And then I'm just like, 
I can't, even, I don't even want to work 17 hours a day anymore, yeah. Yeah. let alone be pregnant and doing it. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. No, I love the, cause I think that people do, do you hear people often say that it must've been easy for you or, or I mean, cause you've been through a lot I, as you're kind of laying out here. I don't know if people would ever say that to me. I know the community thinks I've worked hard. Okay, I think good. that. I think that Instagram and Facebook, I always look so happy. So I don't know if people, people didn't know my story. I didn't talk about it, but I think now that, um, you know, all the, all the things that are going on in the world, I think it's good to talk about how scary it is Mm -hmm. to have, you know, and I, and I do take medication Mm -hmm. for whatever anxiety and, um, I'm, I try to do it more in a holistic manner, but I tried for years and I just didn't cut it. I literally have a chemical imbalance. And so I have to, you know, I have to, but with therapy, with exercise, with everything else, I can, I can omit a bit, right. You can take out some of that, but I still just need a tiny kick to, um, Make sure the chemicals in my oh, brain are it. spinning. I, uh, it took me 150 episodes to talk about my ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, then that I get more feedback from that than almost any podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah so, I bet. Uh, yeah. Dopamine deficient. You know, it's either chocolate or it's uh, Ritalin. And, yeah. Uh, and if you combine the two, it's it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. awesome. It's an idea for a new treat, maybe. Okay. Right? Got it. <laughs> uh, so in, in, in the intro, I talked about what you're doing for St. Baldrick's, but I'd love to hear it from you. So that was that when Coco was... Um, in the, having the surgery six days in when you started walking by the cancer. Yeah. So yeah, I was in the hospital for 14 days and, um, I was up all night. I was, um, so if the nurse wasn't in there changing something or doing something, I was pumping Mm. and freezing. So if I wanted to go freeze the milk, I had to go to the cafeteria every day. And on my way to the cafeteria, you know, I walked past the pediatric, uh, the oncology wing for pediatrics. And it just made me, it just made me sick that, you know, knowing that, Hey, I'm going to hopefully be out of here in two weeks to a month. Luckily it was only two weeks, Yeah. but some of these kids have to be here much longer and deal with obviously these horrible diseases. And, and you hear about these kids, you know, these kids with, um, with cancer, different types of cancer and, and they're just like, you know, oh, you're such an inspiration in this and that. I mean, what a, I just, what a burden. It's just mm. awful, but they are, there are these, ins, these little inspirations to everyone to like, you know, bring us back to earth and be like, wow, yeah. you know, life is so precious. Life is so special. And it's too bad that it takes that to remind everyone, yeah. you know, but, um, it just, it just made me sick. And, and, um, there, you know, within the chef community, of course, um, or within Sacramento community, there's a lot of people participating in St. Baldrick's, um, two doors down, there's a place called, um, well, there's a, there's, um, they're called the rind. It's a cheese place. And the owner, Sarah, she shaved her head last year and I thought she was gorgeous. Wow. I thought, oh, wow, she's so pretty, you know, with her shaved head. I'm like, I could do this. And then Patrick uh, Mulvaney, he's someone big in the, you know, big chef in the community. He kind of nudged me. And so, yeah, um, I, um, my goal is 10K and I'm halfway there and I'll be shaving my head March 9th. Okay. I can't wait to see this. (laughs) As a person with a shaved head, it is, uh, it is, it is wonderful. Are are you kind of excited about it? Are you nervous? I'm I'm 
nervous. I mean, I got to, I have tons of hair, so yeah. I got to donate my 12 inch ponytail nice. to, uh, a, 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 um, I think I'm going to do kids, uh, wigs for kids. There you go. Yeah. And, um, and then, or there's, um, there's another one, um, uh, that one of my customers told me about. So I'm going to do that. Um, and then, yeah, I, um, I asked if they could, you know, leave just a tiny bit because I've got a class I got to do. I've got a class I want to do, but I'm still shaving my head. And um, it's just for a really good cause. And I, um, you know, I figured we have a lot of followers on Instagram and we have, I just feel so blessed. And I want to do something to give back, you know, and and people are like, do you have to shave your head to give back? And I'm like, no, but I think it raises a different type of awareness. Like, like it's it's like, okay, well, it's a talking piece. Therefore you're even talking to me about it. You're asking me, why are you shaving your head? Well, it's talking piece. It's a ra- it's raising awareness. Yeah. So it's not even the, the, the fat, it's not even about shaving your head or, or something no, what, like what it's, it, uh, what it's, for. It, it's, it's about what it's for, but yeah. it's about the conversation yeah. piece of it. That's it. You know, the shock of it, yeah. you know, but, but that gets the conversation going. So, and where can people donate? And I'll have so, links everywhere. Yeah, people can donate to, um, so you go to um, stbaldricks.org mm-hmm. and then you have to click on the search and um, search for Ginger Han, H-A-H-N. Okay. I like right there and you click on me and you can, yeah. Okay. Are you going to video or the shaving of your head or anything? We're hoping that it's going to be on one of the news stations. Perfect. We don't know yet, but uh, we'll know soon. Okay. I can't wait. And then people that want your chocolate, you can order online, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's, Just, what's the number one seller? Um, hmm, probably, you know what? Honestly, the 24 piece box. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just like all encompassing. That's what people buy the most. Yeah. Probably. What is your favorite? I mean, as somebody who loves chocolate and has worked in this industry and owns, and you have locations uh, in Sacramento and as well as in, is it San Francisco? I want in well? San Francisco. Yeah. Just, that's so cool. Thank that is, you. Yeah. Do you have plans on opening uh, others? No, we gotta, no, not right now. Okay. I just, I'm good right now. Okay. But your favorite <laughs> is what? Um, I love our Eureka lemon bonbon. Okay. Okay. And, um, the salty caramel ice cream sandwich. <laughs> So okay. I've got a few favorites. Anything salted caramel I love. And your just good old chocolate chip cookie is amazing. It's very popular. I, it's so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a OG with those and, and that's still, it's, it's amazing. Yes. That is. Thank you. I, so Ginger, thank you so much yeah. for coming on today. That went really fast. Yeah. I think that we, um, I hope that I'll try to get this up as soon as I can. Okay. People can go donate, um, to your St. Baldur's campaign, but just go eat your chocolate for Pete's sake. Right. Yeah. And then go to, by the way, when you have those holiday orders, does it, is it ever just where you have to go nonstop 24 hours a day to fill those things? A couple. Of, I mean, I've had to do it a few times, but not too often. Okay. I normally just try to get up at two or three and okay. get them done. I love it. And hire more staff. Shoot. Yeah. I'm too old for this. Yes, no. Exactly. <laughs> 38. Getting tired, right? All right. Ginger, thank you so much for thank coming you. on the Thank you. I appreciate couch. it. I too. Thank you so much. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. Pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter
Systems don't explode Allow the understanding through 